Greetings. Welcome back to A Thousand Serious Moves with Amanda Holstein. This is an occasionally comedic podcast about mysticism, spirituality, and magic. On this season of A Thousand Serious Moves, we've been going through the magical and practical uses of herbs and spices. Our officially unofficial herb of the day today is mugwort. But I don't have a poem for mugwort. We could say that this episode is a poem to mugwort due to its inspirational features in the incense that I've made. One of my favorite incense blends to make is frankincense, lavender, and mugwort. There's no video companion to today's episode, but you can go to my YouTube channel and check out weekly tarot readings, spiritual product promotions, and more. You can also go to my website, marfatarot.com, to purchase spiritual supplies and book a private tarot reading with me, or come on by Mother Mary's Spiritual Goods at 903 West San Antonio in Marfa, Texas. What I love about this particular incense blend is that not only is it cleansing and purifying with the frankincense, but the lavender and the mugwort both have this lunar quality to help induce psychic vision. Since today is the full moon in Pisces, I figured it was an appropriate incense blend to burn on such a day. It's been a while since I've put out an episode, but here I am putting one out. One thing that I've been working on lately, I don't know why I say that this is an occasionally comedic podcast. It's like you have to really try to be funny. When I tell people that I used to be a comedian, they they look at me with like big wide open eyes like, tell me a joke. And I think my humor is more subtle than that. I don't really do comedy anymore as much as I have been really more in a learning hermit type role. And if I'm being honest about where I'm at today... And maybe I shared this on the last episode, is that I'm really learning a lot. And so I haven't felt much in a position to be presenting information or teaching. But I have gotten some messages from new listeners who remind me that it is time to put out a new episode. So how to respond to what's going on in the world today? How to respond to adversity? 
how to interpret adversity, how to no longer play the victim or entertain self-pity, how to release being a people pleaser. Over the past two and a half years, I've shared a lot about being in recovery. And lately, I've felt a little uncomfortable calling myself an addict. It feels like that shirt doesn't quite fit anymore. I don't have a desire to go do a bunch of blow or start drinking again. But I do have a desire to continue to grow and to learn and to practice. I've learned a lot from being in recovery over the past two and a half years. And this is not like, this is not a send off of farewell to my recovery journey. There's some really valuable things that I have learned in being in recovery, such as praying for knowledge of God's will for me and the power to carry it out. And the power to carry it out, it's that taking the step to do whatever is appropriate or in alignment or whatever is necessary. I have found that sometimes there are are blockages that stand in front of me like, like a big brick wall. And I wonder, why is this wall here? What lesson is this wall here to teach me? Maybe this wall is to protect me. Or maybe this wall is teaching me how to scale, how to face adversity, the notion of discipline, the power to carry it out, to build inner and outer fortitude. This is why my yoga practice is invaluable because the degree to which I push myself and learn and relax and release and strengthen and become flexible, all of this in the outer world helps my internal journey. Since they're not particularly separate, the internal and the external, I'm not sure how, how much I really grew or matured in my 20s, but now I can look back on where I was a year ago or two years ago or five years ago, and I can see growth within myself. Usually I can, I can see growth within other people, but it's, it's almost unbelievable to imagine that growth and transformation are possible. Do you ever find yourself longing for a place or a time that's past nostalgia? When I was going through the six-month purification process leading up to the seven, final seven days of Abermelon, I spent that time in my apartment in Houston and found myself longing to be back in New York City. 
And then I recalled when I had been in New York, how I longed to be back in Texas, or I longed to be back in Marfa, or lately it's been a longing to go back to East Texas when I lived on an acre of land surrounded by trees with horses to the north and cattle to the south. The water there was pretty horrible though. And having clean water, not even to drink, I wouldn't really drink tap water from anywhere, but even brushing my teeth or cooking with the water where I lived in Trinity was pretty horrific and can have serious, cause serious damage to the brain system and to the body. And I think one can witness it in towns where the quality of water is poor, often corresponds with poor education and maybe greater uh, poverty. So if I were to move back to East Texas, I think I'd need a better purification system. But I'm in Marfa now. And I spent six years trying to get back to Marfa after I left the first time. And I'm, I'm putting down roots now. And what I've done in the past is spent three years here, five years there, and then I uproot and go to the next place. And I've followed the breadcrumbs of my heart. And now I finally have my own business, an actual brick and mortar shop where I'm recording this episode. And there's a pulling I have to dig my heels in a bit and really build something because I've been given this gift, this opportunity to plant seeds on fertile soil and to tend to the garden of my life. It feels trite to say these are the gifts of recovery. And it feels overly simplified to call myself an addict or an addict in recovery. If I think about it in a more symbolic way, the impulse to cling to something outside myself to bring me validation. And maybe I had just gotten to a point where I was too externally focused and I needed to give up quite a few things to loosen me up, to speed my fate along. It was like when I lived in East Texas, the land that I lived on was pretty marshy, almost as if it had been once part of the lake and the river, maybe not even a hundred or two hundred years ago and the waters were still receding because when it rained it would you could step out in your boots and sink into the ground there were two times there that my car got stuck in the mud and I couldn't get out and I needed to ask my neighbor's help if you've ever been stuck in the mud before but the more you keep spinning your wheels the deeper you get stuck. It's as if that was a symbol for where I was at at the time when I lived in East Texas and was trying to manage both my 
spiritual, mystical development and hold in my hand things that I needed to let go of. People, lifestyles. It's not even that I was going to die or that I had a a spiritual death. I don't think it was really that dramatic for me. It was that I needed to let go of some things to loosen me up, to help me along the way. And of course, these things weren't easy to give up. In fact, they were things that I cherished and held quite dear. A partnership, substances, the career trajectory that I was on, really important things of how I identified with myself, how I identified myself, but I was really just barely scratching the surface. And I've told this story before about when I had a DMT vape pen, which I thought was the answer to my spiritual dilemma of wanting to know what else was beyond the veil. So I hit it and 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 and then I got slammed back down and reality became two-dimensional. It actually was the opposite way that I was wanting to go. I was wanting to break through, but I knew that there was a cap on how far I could go with my DMT experience. And then I waited almost a year, maybe a little more than a year before I did it again, and this was after Abermelon. And when I smoked the DMT, allegedly, that time, I could sense that there were guardians, and I apologized. Now I can see that there there are actual guardians who stand at the door to protect both the inner world and also to protect the person knocking who's not yet ready to go to that next, through that next gate, if you will. And that was where the loosening up process needed to happen for me. And I think that's part of the quandary that I find myself in with oversimplifying my condition as a drug addict. Because then I, can, I start comparing, right? And I'm like, I don't, I'm not a drug addict. <laughs> yeah, right? And then I'm like, well, isn't everybody an addict of some sort? And that's not true. There's people who aren't and there's there's just the impulse to consume maybe it's a western societal indoctrination I don't have to act out on that impulse I can face the difficulty of waiting 
or of doing something that's productive. And not only productive, but something of value. Something with substance. And this is where I've been lately of promoting my business and the alleged necessity of social media promotion and how much time do I spend on trying to develop that craft or that skill or how much time do I spend in actual practice that will then bring benefit to the work that I do and not just a surface level aesthetic. It just doesn't quite suit me to take a picture of an altar or to set one up to sell a lifestyle, the spiritual, mystical path for me is much more personal, much more intimate, and it's not something that can be bought and sold. Insecurity, doubt, fear, compare and despair, external focus. When I let go of needing to have other people's approval, and when I look at the fact of the matter that I'm provided for, then what is there to fear? What do I have to offer but sincerity? Can you purchase sincerity? Can you make a career out of poetic pontification? What do I have to offer that doesn't fit in a box? Desire. Is it wrong to desire? Is it wrong? Is it right? The thing that brings me back home is pure silence. If my nervous system would allow me to relax, I spend a lot of time in nature and with the door open, trying to get as much fresh air to reconnect with my surroundings. And then I don't feel quite so alone in this process, which is exactly what it is. And I can't predict where it's going. I set intentions to manifest a desire, trial and error, trying to not get too attached to any particular situation, but we know that that's not quite possible. If you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. I don't think that 
that maxim is perfect, as sometimes it is important to speak up, to state facts, even if the facts aren't nice. I heard that there's a difference between kindness and niceness. There's a difference between being kind and being nice. What does that mean? Sometimes compassion entails not intervening. Sometimes compassion entails allowing other people to learn from their mistakes. And that might not be considered or look nice, but nice tends to swing more toward codependent, at at least in my experience of trying to be nice and trying to get people to like me and trying to make sure that everyone else is taken care of and at what expense, my own truth or my own provision, my own internal and external resources. That was a valuable lesson. We all have something to contribute. The high authority of a so-called elite or a self-proclaimed teacher, maybe these two can give us a pause for reflection of our own internal experience. Where are the ways in which I fill in the blank? What are the ways in which I fill in the blank? I think what it was for me to seek out a spiritual experience was to know that there's more to life than I've been told. That there's a possibility of mystical experience. That there's a possibility for breaking out of the mold, becoming flexible, and creating a reality that doesn't fucking suck. I thought that life had to be suffering. And I do think that there is wisdom in this Buddhist principle that's also presented in Christianity. I do think that it's important to face the suffering, to acknowledge the suffering, to feel the suffering, and to hold it while also walking in faith trust, hope, renewal, the divine is so much more complex than I could even try to imagine. And the path to enlightenment isn't just one way. If you find yourself feeling frustrated with the way that things ought to be. Remember, silence is a refuge. The void was once your home. Do you long for your home from time to time? A true refuge that lasts more 
than just a minute? How could I live my life taking refuge in the beloved? Refuge in the stillness within my soul. The void from which all being, all life springs forth. And how do I live while remembering this stillness, the steady flame deep within my soul? How do I commoditize the internal flame? How do I push forward while releasing control? I make my requests known unto God. You have not, because you ask not. But in the timeline of when I think it ought to come, perhaps that also is beneficial to surrender the expectation, acceptance of the way that life is as I work toward my goals. Is it all just vanity and chasing the wind, King Solomon? How many times have I burned it down in the name of enlightenment? Is it possible to have both? What is the path I have been called toward? What do I do? In these times, do I spin my wheels? Do I dig my heels in? Do I try to do something different, manipulate, control, to become a millionaire? Your ways, great God, are above the heavens and your glory over all the earth. I trust. I trust. I trust. And so it is. Amen. Selah. This episode has been brought to you by Mugwort. Mugwort is beneficial for inducing prophetic dreams, visions, and to assist in divination. Come on by Mother Mary's Spiritual Goods at 903 West San Antonio or online at marfatero.com for spiritual supplies, tarot readings, and more. Have a wonderful day. Like, subscribe, and share with your friends, since that is the game that we're playing. After all, thank you for listening.